0: For this opportunity to come before your throne, this is your throne of grace. You'll find mercy, grace to help you and us in a time of need. That's where we find it, Father. It is in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us free access by your blood. We acknowledge your blood right now. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing us, forgiving us making us and imputing your righteousness to us, Father. That is so important. So we thank you, Lord, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. You know, it's kind of interesting to me how we have to get to know God in order to get to know all the benefits of the covenant that he's given us. And uh it always starts with the shedding of his blood that has paid for our sins. So our sins are forgiven. But not only that, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been justified. Which means that as we go through this life, see it's one thing to be forgiven. It's like a prisoner after they have what, what, what they call paid their debt to society after they've done their time in prison when they uh, are released, they are released from the debt that their crime caused them. They paid the debt off, and they've been released. But you know and I know that many times in the real world, they don't get, a second chance to live a good life because many employers want to know if you've ever been to prison, you've ever been convicted of a felony, you ever had a crime, so that past follows them even after the debt's paid. But that's not us. Our debt's been paid by Jesus and we've been justified. So we go through this life as though we never did anything wrong if people could get that right in their brains man the power we would would wield in this life in the life we would have most of what people do as Christians is spend most of their life trying to explain their past when they don't even have to do it because it doesn't exist so the devil keeps reminding us oh look at you what you done wrong it's nobody but the devil reminding you of that God certainly doesn't do it and if you do it to yourself, uh stop. <laughs> that's all I can tell you to do is just stop doing it and start meditating on the fact that you are justified. Justified, that, that's what that means. You're made righteous. Uh, you're made, uh you're exonerated. You have no rap sheet. You have no past. You have no nothing. That's why the devil can't make you sick. That's why he can't make you depressed. That's why he can't make you weak. He can't do anything to you because you are justified. So if you don't get anything right in life, get your justification straightened out. Amen? Because you'll go through life the minute you step out to do something for God. The devil will try to snag you and ensnare you. With, you can't do that. Look at what you did. You're going to mess this up too. You can't do anything right. Look at you. Huh? It's his game. So we don't play his game. But I'm telling you, it's worth it to focus on the fact that you're justified. If you can get that inside of you, that will take you miles and miles and miles in this life for God. You don't have to be reluctant about anything. You don't have to be fearful about stepping out. You know, Christians don't step out and do things in faith because they're afraid that they're going to do something wrong. And if you're justified, there's no such thing as wrong. But the devil ensnares us many times with that lie. And so let's, let's start believing truth. Let's make that your New Year's resolution. Amen. To believe truth and not lies. First about yourself, about God, and then about others. You get it right and, and you'll, you'll live above the, the fray of the enemy's power. Amen. So we're going to get that right this year. Amen. We're going to live for God and live as redeemed righteous people. Amen. Amen. Well, I got two amens. Can I get another one? Can I get another one? Amen, amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. I feel like an auctioneer trying to count the amens around here. But anyway, so we're going to continue uh, with our uh, talk from yesterday on uh, did we learn to love? That's the question of... um, uh, being asked to the righteous as we stand before God, not just on the day of judgment, but every day. Every day he's teaching us how to love. Every day he's uh, allowing us to learn how to love. And uh, we talk some about what learning to love really means and uh, what God is doing when he's teaching us. He said if we love him, we'll obey his commandments. Amen. So God expects us to do everything he commands, not just some things or the things that are are easy. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll learn how to get one thing right and think we got it all and we'll want to stop there. Then when trouble comes and we wonder, why well, I do everything right, what happened? I didn't do anything to cause this. Well, trouble's just gonna come your way. Jesus didn't say you'd do anything to cause it. He just said it would happen. He said in the world, you'll have trouble. As long as you live on this side of glory, there will be trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So that, what that means though, is you look for him to lead you to overcoming, and you can't overcome anything you don't face. You can't overcome anything you don't understand or or learn about or have to confront. So really, then Christianity becomes, instead of a passive way of living, see, love is not a passive force at all. Love is is very aggressive. Love, Love goes after what's right, and it shuns what's wrong. And so, or it confronts what's wrong and moves it out of the way. And so either way you think about it, love is a dynamic force that's very, very powerful. The Bible says love never fails. If it never fails, that means it must be active in pursuing something. In order for you not to fail, you have to be after something. Isn't that right? So if you're, if love never fails, that means love is after something. Love is pursuing. Love is going after. Amen? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about because most of you have spent most of your life trying to pursue something you cared about. Amen? Whether it's things, people, jobs, careers, uh You'll say stuff like, "Oh, I love doing this. I would love to be able to do this for a living. I would love to. to I love, love, love." We use that term a lot, and I think, as far as human beings are concerned, what that means is that you you want to go after certain things. See? People say things about certain automobiles. Oh, I would love to have one of those. And what that means is that my delight is in obtaining that. So love obtains. It goes after. It pursues. It's not just some emotional feeling that makes you feel good about something. There's a force, a dynamic force in love. That causes us to drop things that we don't care about and go after that. So love kind of discriminates. Love allows you to put some things out of your life and go after some things. Instead of just passively sitting around and saying, I like that and I like that. And I don't dislike anybody. And I don't, you know, whatever, whatever. That's really not love. Not the love of God. Jesus pursued us. From the garden when he had to separate us all the way to Calvary he came after us. So his love caused him to pursue the the uh, people of the earth in a very aggressive way to bring us back to him and back to his righteousness. Uh, He wasn't satisfied until everybody had an opportunity to get back in fellowship with him. And so that's really what what love is all about. It's this aggressive tendency we have toward good. Good being defined as what God calls good, but also the things that we call good that we want to experience in life. Uh, nothing's going to just come to you Uh, By wishing and wanting and oftentimes just through prayer. We have to get out and put our faith in motion so that we will begin to experience the things uh, that God has for us in this life. And so part of love is pursuit. The things that you pursue are the things that you love. Many times we'll we'll start pursuing things and we'll begin to realize that we can't really attain those things without God's help. And so we we always have to add God into the equation. So it's best to just yoke up with the Lord and stay connected to him and let him lead us into the things that he has ordained for us. You'll never get what God promises you without his leading. He's got to lead you to those things. You just can't, I mean you'll get stuff I'm not saying you can't have anything Uh If you can afford it, you can get it But if you're going to get it and enjoy it And let it be a part of the life God has for you hmm, You have to let him lead you in this pursuit You can't just, you know what I'm saying You, just, you know, God, is, God gave me this and God gave me that And God gave me, we'll prove it amen and and at the end of the day, God wants us to have faith it's that's what He's looking for, and He wants us to learn how to love and so we talked yesterday about yoking up with Jesus, that his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Amen. So if we uh connect ourselves with Him. And stay connected to him. Then we'll have an easier life. Of pursuing the things. That God has for us. And being rewarded accordingly. Amen. So we have to really allow him. To lead us. And and that takes uh, an exercise. Of all of the fruit of the spirit. you got to humble yourself to him. That's part of love. You've got to trust him. That's faith, and that's part of love. You have to uh, show meekness toward God, and that's love. All of these things are necessary if we are going to learn how to love the way God wants us to. So we talked also about how God, uh, the things that we uh, uh, use to define love, and we realize that we must l- Allow God to lead us in all areas of life. In our worship, we have to let Him lead. In our relationships, we have to let Him lead. In our work and our career, we have to let Him lead. In ministry, we have to let it. And in business dealings, we have to let God lead. So when He leads us, we learn to love. Amen? That's, it's, there's no two ways about it. Whatever He ordains for your life, is a lesson in learning to love, amen. Uh, and we have to see it that way. And we have to see learning to love as being necessary in our life as Christians. We don't love learn that we've shortchanged ourselves in something. There will come a day when we wish we had that knowledge with God and we won't have it. Learning to love means learning to abide in his presence. Learning to live in harmony with God and with man. Uh, Learning to trust God through, through all kinds of situations in our lives. While our gift will make room for us, love ensures that our gift will prosper. Your gift will not prosper without learning to love. Got to learn how to allow your gift to be used where God wants it to be used. I remember hearing uh, Henry Groover's testimony. He tells his testimony pretty much every time he shares something uh, with the body of Christ, and that testimony is about how he made a vow to God that he was going to pass out a hundred tracks on Saturday night, uh, salvation tracks. Uh, he said the only problem back in the day when he was a teenager. They had a curfew and he had to be off the streets by dark. And so he had like, and he worked uh, on Saturdays at a job and he went to school and, and he had gotten himself so booked up that he didn't have a lot of time to do this. And that was the beginning of his ministry. And it led him from making that vow to pass out the tracks to walking and praying all over the world. Everywhere God sent him, he spent... Uh, 54, he was, went to 54 different nations, and I think his, that ministry of prayer walking, uh, lasted over 30 years. And so just in, in, you know, if you look on his, uh, Facebook page and on his website, there's a picture of his tattered boots sitting there that he used to walk, uh, everywhere and pray in those areas so that God could make change. Somebody's gotta do that. He had, he learned to love through submitting himself to God and undergoing hardship. He, he went through it to make it easy for somebody else. See, the hardship that we endure sometimes in God makes it easy for ourselves in the future and for somebody else. It's never in vain. But God has to have people who will divorce themselves from the cares of this life long enough to obey Him. Amen. So Henry was able to actually teach and encourage many people to walk and pray. Uh, the ones who learn the right way have done very powerful things just with that exercise of reclaiming land as we walk, every place the soles of our feet uh tread, we will possess it. And see that scripture is there for a reason. Uh, So Henry was a very uh, studious person in the word. He learned the spiritual principles behind everything he did. And that's why he was effective. He wasn't just walking around because there was a group that said they wanted to take a city and then quit after they don't see anything, what they think uh, they should be accomplishing. He did it consistently and showed that there was power in it. There was authority in it. But also he learned how to love. He's led Muslims to Christ, he's led Buddhists to Christ, he's led royalty to Christ, he's led all kinds of people to Christ. Because as he walked and prayed, God took the pride out of Henry. He took the desire for this earth's goods out of Henry. He stripped Henry of many things. He even he even uh, sacrificed time with his family. He had 13 children and left him with his wife who uh um uh, joyfully took over because she loved God as well and so this this business of learning to love is is a serious business that's why a lot of people don't really think it's that important you know um this isn't just a teaching that I'm doing for now and then we skip over it and go on to something you want to hear uh you know a, a little more you know care a little bit more about but it's central to what we're here for. If you don't learn to love, you've skipped over the most important thing that God wanted to teach you while you were here on this earth. Amen? So, uh, you you know, some things, you just can't skip over everything and want to get to the part you want to hear about. Amen? You know, you got to focus on everything because everything God says and has for us is worthwhile listening to. It's um, It's worthwhile. Amen? He wouldn't have you come here twice a week to waste your time. But you, these things are central to what life is all about and how God wants us to live it. Amen. So we said when, when He leads us, that's when we learn to love. We learn to, uh, put aside what we think is important. We learn to put aside, uh, you know, things that we think are More important, we we have to put those things aside uh, while we focus on what God has for us. While our gift does make room for us, we said, love ensures that our gift will prosper and our gift will do what God wants it to do in the earth. See, there's no prospering of your gift unless you allow it to do what God wants it to do in the earth. There's so many people whose uh, lives are being destroyed now because their sin has caught up with them. As a believer, you don't have that problem. Your sins are forgiven. And so, um, look at people like um, uh, Harvey Weinstein, the producer. Uh, you know all that he's done. He's invested. He has had a gift for for finding good scripts and making money off of them and causing actors and actresses to do well. All of that stuff, that's a gift folks. But his sinful ways have destroyed all of that. So, I mean, and you can see that God is judging people in the earth, folks. You understand what I'm saying? He's bringing the hammer and showing people that I've seen everything that you've done throughout the years, and I'm not going to let you get away with it anymore. So if Harvey Weinstein can get on his knees and pray to God instead of whining that his life is ruined and looking for people to course to have pity on him, he'll do well. But if his gift was not turned over to God, it will not cause him to prosper. That's true about anybody's gift. So it's it's not so much your gift, but your relationship with the giver that will make all the difference in the world. Amen? Sometimes when the world closes down on you, it's a blessing. If it closes doors in your face, sometimes it's a blessing because it forces you To let God deal with everything that there is about you. And so God will will direct you to follow him every chance he gets an opportunity to. Learning to love, we said, is walking with Jesus through life. We must be as he is in the world. We are his representatives. Learning to love is learning to forgive. And allow God to judge all cases. There may be some situations that make you mad as a hornet. But you have to forgive and allow God to judge in these cases. Amen. Learning to love is humbling ourselves to the Lord. And we have to respond as he tells us to respond. You can't respond the way you think you have a right to respond. You know, anybody in my situation would be yada 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 yada. Yeah, but that's, you're not anybody. You, how would, how would the Lord respond and how would He have you to respond? You're in that situation you're in for a reason. And so God wants you uh, to understand that when you get in these situations, it's your training ground in learning to love. You get in difficult situations, that's where you learn you learn in the the relationships, you learn in situations you learn uh we call it uh on the job training. is that what most people call it in real life? Amen, so you get o j t in God's kingdom. that's the only way you learn. you have to learn in situations, so it's one thing to read the scripture and say, "Oh yeah, that's a good scripture i'm going to receive I receive that God I'm going to do just like you say, and then when the situation comes up, you you know go the other way. Amen. And and that is so common. And and you got to understand that the God put that that desire in you to to please him and obey him so that you can master this situation and learn to love even in this difficult situation. The worst thing in the world you can do is take your own way out or feel sorry for yourself because of what's happening to you in your life. Because God will cause it to stop happening if you stay connected to Him. Amen. It, it, it will pass. But you've got to, to respond the way God wants you to, uh, to get the, the good result of it. That you could get, you know, people in the middle of trouble. Oftentimes, people will say, "Well, why is this happening to me?" I don't know. I never do anything wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I was if you quit the "why is this happening" and and obey God through it, amen. It's like if you were if you were in a, um, a, a situation, say you were in a boat and fell out and you were in danger of drowning. You, you, the, you don't ask the question, "Why is this happening to me?" Because that's not going to get you saved. huh? But you need to be crying out to the Lord to save you and pull you out. Amen? Then after you're out, you shouldn't care why it happened to you. Amen? Unless it's going to help you prevent it. <laughs> Some of us don't realize how important it is to be rescued. You could still be in that situation. But God rescued you. He's given you hope and encouragement over and over again. He's given you another chance. Uh he's kept you alive. He's got you on both legs. He's got you, <laughs> you know. Some of us have outlived uh doctors that gave us a bad prognosis. Amen. We're still here, they're gone on. I mean, you know, they, it was their job to tell us what they knew, but because you're yoked with God You keep living while they don't. And so this is very important, folks. You know, learning to love means humbly walking with God and walking away from the works of darkness and staying in the light. So when you walk with God, I'm telling you, it's worth it. You avoid all the penalties of a life of sin. You avoid everything that sinners have to go through that don't know the Lord as well as you do and aren't obedient to God. So so you're able to not just avoid but when you do have difficulties, you if you stay yoked to the Lord, you'll overcome every single one of them. Amen. The Bible says that the the righteous have many afflictions, but God delivers us out of them all. Amen. So it it doesn't matter how many times things happen to you that aren't pleasant, what matters is that you stay yoked up to God. You say, God, I'm learning to love through this. I'm learning how to love you and stay connected with you and to trust you to pull me through this. Amen. That's all you got to do is let him pull you through it. Learning to love is enduring patiently the trials that come to us. Um, When I say patiently... I mean, kicking and screaming and, and you realize, no, this isn't gonna get me any, anything. I'm gonna to have to endure this. Even though your mind might be screaming, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna lose everything. This isn't gonna work out. It's not gonna be, that's never gonna happen for me. Your mind can be, can be screaming that, but you settle down and you say, God, let your patience rest on me. Lord, I'm just, I'm just gonna take it a day at a time. I'm not gonna to try to project ahead doom and gloom and it's not going to work and this is not going to prosper but I'm going to patiently endure until I receive what you have for me learning to love means to rise above self-pity to rise above fear and to pursue God at all costs amen so you rise above self-pity You rise above fear and you pursue God at all costs. Now what do I mean at all costs? Well, you might have to let go of some things that other people think you you should be involved in. And it it's so common with Christians, amen? Uh, you know, you'll have people say things like, oh, you, you, you're going back to church again, or what kind of church is that? They make you drive out of town, and what kind of church is that? You understand? So, so these are the costs of pursuing God. The things that others do not do, God expects you to do them willingly. And He expects you to do them in a committed fashion, not haphazardly, but as a commitment. You'll find one day that that commitment has paid off. Man. And, and many times it happens when you're not even trying to figure out what what you're going to get out of being committed. If you're, if you're gonna, if you're still figuring out, well, what am I gonna get out of this? Well, when is this gonna pay? Well, what, if, what difference does this make? And when am I gonna, die? Oh, God does it. God understands. He doesn't care about all that nonsense. That's just Pastor Barb going on and on. You understand what I'm saying? And so many times we don't understand what the payoff is until at some point in our lives we look back and we realize God they diagnosed me with this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago. They said it would get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I'm still here. I'm still alive. I can do everything I want to do, pretty much. You know, everybody, as you get older, you, you find ways to cut corners. <laughs> it's like I was telling Pastor Shirley, I said, I'm so used to not shopping physically, the minute I realized I could go online and get exactly what I want and not have to go to four stores to find it, it I thought, well, sign me up right away. You understand what I'm saying? Uh It's not that I don't, well, I tell you, I never really enjoyed shopping as much as as other people did. I mean, you know, I know it's a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But I'm one of these necessity people. I don't go shopping for enjoyment. I go 'cause I gotta get something. You know. I I was worse than my husband. You know how men are, they just what do you want? I'll go get it. They go and get that. They don't look at anything else. They don't window shop. They come out, and they're done. So that's kind of the mentality I've always had, you know, about certain things. Now, I like to look nice. I like all of those frilly things, but I got a different way of going about getting them. You understand what I'm saying? That is not my entertainment to go and go window shopping. If I got money, I'll go. I'll go get what I want. That's it. But I don't just look at stuff and want stuff and keep, you know, that's how I live. That's no fun to me. So anyway, uh but but I've learned how to just do things by faith. I'll have to see them first, I guess. So I was talking to Pastor Shirley last night. She wants to go get a car. And she knows she needs to get rid of this car and get another car, blah, this, blah, that. And she said, Well God told me, what am I waiting for? Go get my car. I said, Well, I think you need to go get your car. And so she was saying, Well, I need I never bought a car by myself and I want she said, You know this last car, Matt bought that car for me. I have I said, if it was me, I'd get him to do it again. You did it once, do it twice or whatever. So I thought about it and I said I said, You know what? I said, the last car I got, I didn't shop for it. I said I saw saw this guy on Facebook, a friend of mine on Facebook, and he said, uh, "I finally got my dealer's license, and something in my heart went click. That's it." So I told him to find me a car. I told him what car I wanted. Told him what I want to pay. I said, "And get back to me when you get it." You know. And one day I was sitting there. I said, "God, you know that guy found that car. It will be a miracle." Because he goes to auctions, you know, dealer auctions, and I'm thinking, uh, oh, it might be a piece of junk, but God won't have me get junk. And, and one day it just rolled up in my driveway and <laughs> it was done. Amen. <laughs> The way I like to do stuff. I don't want to go to a dealership and have these crazy lying salesmen. You know, you got to rebuke salesmen all day long and tell them, you know, no, I don't want that. You're lying to me. Well, if you go sell it to me, I'm not paying that for it. You call me when you get it down to my price, and I don't want to go through all that trouble. I'm, I'm, I've graduated <laughs> above the fray of dealing. You know, with all this craziness, I just didn't want it. Wanted, and God obliged me. He was happy to help me with that. And so uh, sometimes you have to know where God's leading you in life and be willing to pursue that. Now you may not think that's important and you think, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You can go, well, who do you think you are? Are you too good to go shopping or whatever? I don't know. But I look at it this way. I'm headed in that direction of not wait. I consider some things a waste of time. If I don't have to waste my time that way. Now don't ask me what I'm doing that's so important other than that. As my mother would say, that's none ya. Uh Oh, none ya business. Amen. But, but if it encourages my faith to trust God with the unseen, and trust that what he brings me will be perfect for me. How much will that help me in my life? You see, you have to understand what you're doing when you do things uh, in trusting God. I know He loves me, and I love him, and he wouldn't bring anything into my life that's not going to be a blessing for me you understand so i don't need to see it i don't need to examine it i don't need to kick the tires i don't need i'll let god kick the tires for me and just work it out huh amen amen so i mean it's a good thing to live by faith you understand what i'm saying it's a good it's not a risky thing at all what we're risking doesn't exist we're risking that we're better at this than god And we're not. And so we have to learn how to just trust God and understand that he has the best in mind for us at all times. And he will deliver his best for us according to the proportion of our faith. So there's nothing wrong if you got complaints about something in your life. I can tell you it's not God's fault that it's not what you think you want. Uh, but you need to go to God about it. He can fix it. It's not the end of the the tale or the end of the story. Don't be so upset if your worst fears manifest. Uh, you brought fear into the picture. God didn't put it there. See what I'm saying? So many times we'll have hidden fears that we never address working in our prayers. You know, I always tell people that I said, they'll say, well, I went and got this car and, and it, the first day that happened, it, it messed up on me. And, and you can tell by the force of faith in what they say that they had that fear working all the time. So you went and signed on the dotted line and that fear was still there. Why'd you do that? You could have traded that in for faith and then let God manifest through your faith so he'll fix it he'll get it fixed for you. you just you just learn from those things next time get yourself together before you go sign on it get your faith right before you step into the arena of finalizing things don't go in there like a beggar or a pauper cuz you'll come out with a beggar's reward amen you won't come out with a righteous person's reward You'll come out with a beggar or a thief level of reward. So don't go in there with that that mentality. Amen. I remember when uh, uh, Prophet Waller, I know Pastor Shirley was concerned about. You know, she was wanting to sell her house. She knows she's going to have to do it at some point. And so she was a little concerned about, oh, how am I going to do this? Or, you know, and I got to get another mortgage. and What's my credit like? And Prophet Waller stood in front of her one night and said, God wants you to know your credit is good in heaven. You see what I'm saying? So that's really all you need to, I mean, just if you'd simple questions that we have, instead of hiding them. From God and from everybody, like you could really do that. You just bring them before God, and and God will mercifully. Now I don't know if she asked God about it or not. She probably did, but mercifully, God, if God has a servant walk past you that has an answer, He'll let Him just give it to you. So after that, she said, okay, well, you know, whenever it's time for me to move, I'm ready to move. I don't have any more. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to learn how to trust God, folks, and, and stay connected. Stay yoked up with Jesus. I don't care what you do. Don't disconnect from him. Let that yoke of of his love and his leading guide you through the difficulties of life, and help you through the blessings of life. You know, it's just so important for us to know that we can lean on him through. He knows everything we want. He knows everything we need. He's not there to censor your requests. Uh, The promises are yes and amen by us So he's offering us everything All we have to do is say yes and so be it Bring bring it into my life Lord Here here I am Lord I'm ready for you to bless me with that And and that's really all you have to do It really is And and be obedient to him You know, Don't sit there and, and wait grudgingly for something That you're afraid he won't give you Get in your word and get that fear out of you And get over into pure faith where he can bless you. Amen. He wants to bring more into our lives, period. He has an inheritance laid up for us. We need to be every day pursuing it. God, what is my inheritance? God, what do I have? God, where is my blessing? God, where, where, where have you laid up for me? God, what can you employ me with so that I can sow seed toward that thing that you have laid up for me? It's already laid up for us. We have to lay claim to it by believing God for it. Instead of living in our little bo- a box that we're so accustomed to living in, faith Breaks down all the walls of that little mental box that we put ourselves in that we can't get outside of because we think we're stuck there. And, and God can't get us out. He can definitely get you out. He can get you out in ways you don't even understand are possible. He has so many ways of blessing us. But the best way to get your blessing is to stay connected, stay yoked, stay yoked with Jesus. That's where your help is. Stay yoked with Him. Don't deviate. Don't depart. Don't run away. Don't hide. Don't cower. Don't fear. Don't get into that realm. Just trust, 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 trust. When you put a prayer out there, don't be afraid to pray the the desires of your heart. Let those words Pour out of your heart. If you want uh, a a new opportunity, if you want doors open, if you want uh, what if you want more money, you want more income. Just tell God, God, I need some more money coming in here. I need some more income. Now you know what? I prayed that prayer about, I guess maybe four, six months ago, and little by little, I've seen it increase, and and I haven't done anything different. You know, I don't, I don't do Uber or Lyft. I barely drive myself. I hate to drive myself even to the supermarket. <laughs> I ain't lifting you nowhere. You gonna lift me if anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You now these people run out and say, oh, I started Ubering and I'm making so much more money. I said, uh huh. That's, that's fun for you. Now, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I thank God for it because there's so many people who are able to uh you know convert free time into dollars and and that's always a good thing if if that's what you need to do. But I'm telling you there's so many things that your faith will do for you. Every now and then you need to have your budget readjusted by your faith. You know what I'm saying? Just sit down with God and say God now uh I'm 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 overextended here or I'm kind of pressed here or I'm, I'm in debt here or I got this wrong here. Or I got, So let's just readjust my faith so that I'm, I'm more in the direction of, of the peace that you want me to have in my finances. And, and everybody wants peace in their finances. We think what peace means is having more money, but that's not really what peace is. Peace is having the will of God. It's having obedience to God. It's staying yoked up with God. And that's where your peace really, really is. And and remember that. God will get you everything you desire. He'll give it to you. You know what give it to you means? It means that a lot of it you won't have to pay for. We are so in tune to thinking, I want this But i got to have so much money in order to get it. No, it takes faith. I told somebody that who thought that their problem was money. And they thought that way for, I know, at least 12, 15 years. And I told them, I said, your problem is not financial. Your problem is faith. I said, you've let finances take the place of faith in your thinking. I'm gonna say it again, cause half y'all act like you ain't paying attention to me. You think you have let finances take the place of faith in your thinking. Now why do we do that? Well, faith takes too long. If I just get the money, I go out and do it myself. Uh huh. It's so the first thing people think. Oh, I start asking God and no telling when it's gonna be before I get this. Uh huh. And we don't. Put the, would, put the faith out there for it. What you do is you withdraw your faith from your desire and you stick with, I gotta have the money. So you keep watching, watching, watching for the money to come. Amen? Instead of using your faith. Because you can't have both of them engaged at the same time. You can't serve God and mammon. See, when you think money is the answer to everything, you're serving mammon. You're not serving God. So you watch your purse strings, your pocketbook, you watch all of that, instead of thanking God For the things that you have prayed for. And believe you receive them when you pray. And you'll find out that your faith was never engaged. In what you're doing. Then when we run into difficulty. Then all of a sudden we want to call this great faith down. And get us out of trouble. Instead of allowing faith to lead us into the things we desire. So you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to. Uh, keep yourself from doing things that you have impulses to do. You're gonna have to discipline yourself to keep your faith engaged at all times in the things you desire instead of trying to figure out, go get a pencil and paper and figure out how I, what, I, what, what did I do over here? It makes a difference, makes a big difference. Cause you'll find that you can accomplish more You can do more Instead of being behind and trying to catch up all the time You'll be on time And even in the land of abundance At all times Because of your faith okay. you, you you have to understand That there is a, a relationship with God That will be enriched If you will use your faith And put away your um, your natural uh, answers or your, your natural responses to things. Your bottom line responses to things. Just believe God for what you desire. And keep thanking him for it. Worship him. It gets here on time when you worship him. You can't manipulate God with your worship. You're just staying connected to Him so that your faith is engaged at all times. See, that's really what worship does. It keeps us connected to God so that we're in the Spirit and our faith works all the time. And it's not a hit or miss relationship, but it's a continual believing God for all things. And then one day, God will knock on your door and a different door will open to you for more income, more um, uh, uh, blessings, uh, all of that stuff. And, and see, one of the things that I, I know happens with when you retire or when you have what they call a fixed income for some reason or another, you know, the government gets bigger than God. Because you'll look at what your what your income is. Even working people are the same way. You do forty hours, you paid so much an hour, you're fixed. At least until the union does something or somebody else does something or a year goes by and you get your increase or not get your increase. But everybody's kind of fixed because there's a source, natural source for your income, and you feel limited to one source. Suppose I told you that there are so many sources you can't even count them all up. See? But we don't let ourselves think that way long enough to tap in to the new resources. I remember God telling me to tell somebody that that he was opening up new streams of income. And right after I said it, I said, oh gosh, Lord, that's going to be hard for them to believe because... And see, my own mind locks me into, I'm glad I said it before I checked myself and didn't say it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, seriously, it's a toughie. It's a toughie for all of us. But I'm telling you, if we stay connected to God at all times, we can do it. There's no reason you can't draw from the mind of Christ and think like he does about everything. Think like he does about your money, your health, your family, your friends, Everything you can, and and you'll you'll be successful and victorious over all the enemy's thoughts that would try and come in and drive that out of your mind. Oh, don't think like that. Who do you think you are? What does she mean? More sources of income? Nah, you can't get your on a fixed income. You get so 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 and so. Hmm? Now I don't know how God's gonna do it. But I know if he said it, he's going to do it. He's going to have to. Amen? Because he's not a man that he should lie. And we have to believe him for the more anyway. So we might as well believe him for more instead of believing him for same old, same old. Amen? So always believe him for increase. This kingdom is increasing all the time. You're in his kingdom. You're going to increase with it in all areas of your life. Amen? Not just finances but in joy and in peace and contentment and faith and all of the fruit of the spirit that are good to nourish our spirit so that we can believe him for great things. So learning to love encompasses all areas of our life. It's just not uh, learning how to feel a certain way and talk like you feel a certain way. But learning to love means trusting God, uh, you know, just exclusively. You don't trust anything else but what he, he what his word says, who he is, what he says he's going to do for you. All of those things, that's what you trust. So um, learning to love, we said, takes place in the uh, affairs of life. It, it's a real life situation is what love looks like. We learn to love in the classroom of love. The classroom of love has to do with situations. Life situations that are ordained for us by God to teach us these things. Be thankful that He singled you out to teach you some of these challenging lessons. Amen? Because, you know, if you think about it as poor me and why me and Oh, here it comes again, and all that you'll you won't get through it the way you have to look at it the way God looks at it, and it's always a good prayer. God let me see things the way you see them now I'm looking at it from this this end, and it don't look good. you know here's the same problem over and over again. when is it going to be done, and so forth and so on but but God, let me see it the way you see it. Amen. If it's coming into my life, if it's not pleasant, you'll give me the grace to make it through. You'll give me the power to overcome. You'll give me the answers you need, I need, and you'll give me the grace to minister life out of this challenge. You know, we don't understand that challenges come to bring us His life and that we minister out of His life. Amen. Uh, John G. Lake, when he was growing up, Lost several brothers and sisters through illness. And it so affected him that he determined in his heart to learn how to, to not let this happen to anybody else in his family again. And, and so through difficulties, and it, these were hard difficulties, but during that time, they happened to a lot of people. So he wasn't being singled out by God to have a hard life so you could teach him something. These things happen. You got me? They happen to everybody. The Bible says he's good to the just and to the unholy. And it rains on the just and the unjust the same. And You know, this is just a little bit of rain coming into your life. I know it seems like a big thing at the time. But if you get God in it, it won't be. Uh, and it won't overwhelm you, and it won't overcome you. There's so many people who are negatively negatively affected in life, and and uh, you know, you see them trying to make the best of it. And if God helps them, they'll be able to look at some of these people who have had uh, loved ones murdered by gangs who are here illegally. I mean, can you imagine such a thing? And you're doubly angry. You lost a loved one that should not have died because that person should never have been allowed in this country. Let alone close to your loved ones. And so how do you make sense of that? It doesn't make human sense. But God's the only one who can touch that person's heart and give them. Because forgiveness is the only way you'll get life out of this or else you will just live in grief and death all the time and so you know i i see some of them have started um you know um what do you call them? like support groups or uh trying to make a difference You know, and trying to make that person's life valuable in the end, and and I pray for them when I see that. I just, Lord, just please touch them. Just please help these people, help them to to heal them from their grief, and and you know, help them to whatever you put on their heart to do, let it be successful. You know, just let let people honor them and love them and and treat them kind. You know, it's just it's very important uh, that that people get healed, and so. So, it's, you know, one of the things that we can do as children of God is invite other people into the life that God has for us, you know, and, and, and people eventually do heal, you know, they, they eventually do heal. And they heal by doing something, pursuing something to, in honor of that, that departed loved one whose life was taken away unjustly, too soon, and, and violently. So, you know, these are things people need to be healed from. Uh, so, and it's not a snap thing. You have to, you have to learn how to be patient like God is patient if we're gonna help people. But we learn love in the classroom. And the classroom is life situations. The classroom is being led by God and holding on to God in these situations. Uh, Joseph learned to love while he was in prison for false accusation. Huh? He learned to love in unjust situation. And that's where many of us learn in unjust situations. Turn to Genesis chapter 45. You know, I I look at people sometimes and they, (laughs) from the pit to the palace, you got to be in the pit first. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) They like the palace aspect of it. You can tell they get a superficial understanding and all this kind of stuff. Well, why was Joseph in the pit? You know, and what was this pit? This wasn't his first pit that he'd been in. You know, he'd been in... His brothers had put him in one, a literal pit, and then the next pit he was in was a prison. Amen? But he had had a good experience with God in between. And that's really where God teaches us about himself, oftentimes, is in the good experiences. So you need to know... That in living with God and living with Christ and staying yoked up to Jesus, you are going to have good experiences in God. Which if you hold on to those, they will help you ride through the difficult ones. Amen? Because he gives us both. He has to show us that he's a good God. And what did did he do when, when Joseph was sold by his brothers to Egypt? He put Joseph in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was a very, very influential and powerful man in Egypt. And God was with Joseph. So Joseph got to see what it was like to be blessed of God. He was due for a blessing. God does not have us go from evil experience to evil experience to evil experience to evil experience to to no avail. He has to reveal himself as a good God. Look at what he did with Abraham. Later on, he began to show Abraham that even though Abraham was a a man who made mistakes, he still made him very rich. He still blessed him the way he said he would do it and did more. Amen? God never told Abraham he he would make him very rich. He told him he would lead him to a land where he would prosper. And so God told him he would bless them that bless him, curse those who curse him. And so God then cursed the, the, uh, household of Pharaoh, but then he released the curse and, and, uh, was, and Abraham was able to get a blessing out of the deal. You see what I'm saying? He, when they saw that they weren't going to prosper by, ch- uh, uh, trying to take this man's wife, They paid reparations for having offended Abraham. And so because they wanted to bless Abraham, now God allowed Abraham to receive that blessing. And he left Egypt a rich man, even though he disobeyed God in going there. You got me? God still keeps his word. So he does this with Joseph. The Bible says that God was with Joseph and he caused everything that he touched to prosper while he was in Potiphar's house. Then the devil shows up. way well, he always does. So he shows up to tempt Joseph into thinking. See, the temptation is always mental before it's physical. Joseph could not have slept with Potiphar's wife unless he had been thinking more highly of himself than he ought to have thought. It's my gift and my ability. See, he thought that way before he hit the pit, didn't he? He I got a gift, I'm gonna lord it all over everybody. Let me tell you about this other dream I had. Y'all gonna be my subjects and y'all gonna bow down to me and I'm gonna be Well the pit kind of took that out of him. And then when he came out of the pit and got into slavery, God humbled him even more. And that's why he caused everything he touched to prosper. Because he humbled himself to God. It's not because he he had great abilities. Your abilities are nothing if God doesn't make room for them. If God doesn't put his hand on them and cause them to be strengthened and cause them to prosper. Joseph learned that because he didn't have dreams or visions again until he was back in prison again. Wonder why? When when you're oppressed by your life, all of a sudden your spiritual awakening comes. You ever notice that? You get so alert to the things of the spirit. That's why we fast. Because you, you can't hear from God if you're feeding your belly a lot at the same, I mean you can hear some, I'm not saying you can't, but, you know, if you want to, to get into that place where you get some real good answers that you can't get otherwise, that's what you do. You divorce yourself from distractions. And so that's really what fasting is. It, you know, has some to do with, with food, but it has more to do with indulging your flesh. In the things of this life. And so when we understand that God wants to draw us away from these things. In order to get our spiritual life to come to life. In a great way. Not a small way. In a great way. Because what he had planned for Joseph would not allow him to stay small. Small is success in Potiphar's house. He needed more. And that's when he has to go into the learn to love classroom. Amen? You go into the classroom of God where you don't have people telling you how wonderful a job you do. They don't entrust all of their wealth and all of their property to you. That's taken away from you. And when it's taken away from you, then you have to learn to lean on god all the more cuz you don't have anything in the natural to draw from and so who hasn't been like that you know we all have periods of time like you know the stuff that we we usually find delight in we don't find delight in that anymore some have have had relationships removed I feel bad for people who pursue relationships even though God's trying to remove them. They don't even know they're doing it. They just think that's my friend and they're still my friend and, you know, all that kind of stuff and you know, they like me and I like them. You know, you just don't know what God's doing. You don't, you don't pursue God enough to find out, God, how do I treat this person? You understand what I'm saying? They've, they've walked away from you. Now what do I do? Well, they go to church. They just don't come here anymore. No, they walked away from God. And they walked away from you too. So sometimes it's good to let people walk away and see where they go. You understand what I'm saying? You'll learn what a person's heart is if you let them go where they want to go. And then look at where they wound up. Amen? A lot of people never step foot in the church again. Well, they didn't really walk away from no, they walked away from what God had for them, so they walked away from him. He doesn't lead you away from shepherding, he leads you toward it. You see what I'm saying? He'd not go he doesn't play two different games with people. He has one system for perfecting the saints. Well, if you don't want that anymore, you have a right to walk away from it. But, you know, people who see that don't pretend like they're still they still love God or they' still the same relationship with God. It's not face facts sometimes we're so insecure about God ourselves that we try to cling to people, you know, even though though they've already decided they don't want us. You know if somebody walks away from the things that God's prepared for them, that includes you too. That means they don't value you either. So why are you running after them? Amen. You see what I'm saying? It, it just, to me it makes no sense. Let them go where they want to go and then observe and see where they wind up. Amen. Because you undoubtedly will wind up in the same place if you keep running after them. So many times God is trying to reveal people's hearts to you if you'll allow Him to. Amen. It's just true. Don't be so squishy, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you need to quit clinging to people so you can learn how to love God. See, that's part of the classroom too. Joseph was stripped of everything that was familiar to him. And then you see that as a pattern for all of the patriarchs in the Bible. You see Abraham coming along later and God strips him from everything that's familiar to him. Leave your family, leave your kindred, leave whatever property was here and go to a place that I'll show you. That's a big, that's a big order. But he fulfilled it. Cause he decided to follow God. Amen? He decided to follow God. And that's all we, God requires us to do. Just make the one time decision to follow me. And quit second guessing if you made the right decision. Huh? Let the devil watch you. He's the author of the second guessing. So let him watch you, go on and follow God and do well. Huh? Do better than he ever could have helped you do. So David I mean sorry, Joseph learned to love while being falsely accused and imprisoned. God will get you to the root of your problem. See, his problem was not Potiphar's wife. It's like many times people are angry at somebody and they don't understand why. Okay, well, I'm angry at the people in this church, so I'm going to leave. And I go to another church, and you get angry at those people, and you leave. And you go to another one, you get angry at those people, and you leave. You never got to the root of why you're angry. When God deals with you, he gets to the root of your anger. He gets to the root of your problem. He gets to the root of your difficulty. Huh? Because many times people say, "Well, I forgive so and so, but it's hard for me to forget, well, because you haven't that person is not the root of your problem. You had an animosity toward that type of person when you met them, and all you had to do was see them cross the line one time and you were through with them too. You see what I'm saying, and so what God does, he gets to the root of things, and what's the root of Joseph's problem? his family, huh. It's bad relationship with brother and sister. Huh? So here he is, Genesis chapter 45. We'll start where? We'll start in verse 1. Now this is after Joseph's brothers have come down to Egypt and, and he's, he's not recognized by them because they think he's an Egyptian. Now Egypt had many different ethnicities working in the palace because they were a very powerful nation. Everybody when they got in trouble went down to Egypt. So you might see people of every ethnic origin working for Pharaoh because he took the best of every every group and every class of people. Always took the best. And so uh, Joseph's brothers have come down for food twice now. Joseph has demanded that their brothers identify everybody in the family. And they have a youngest brother, Benjamin, that he tells them they must bring for him to see. And so it's mainly because Joseph and Benjamin are brothers and these other ones are half-brothers. They have different mothers. He and Benjamin have the same mother. And they were dearly beloved of their father because the father loved the mother more than the other Wives or women he was married to. Of course the maids too. He had children by the maids. So um, so anyway, they don't want to bring the younger one down, but they bring him. And Joseph has to see him. Uh, so he brings him down. And when Joseph sees Benjamin, he gets overcome emotionally. And see, many times the situation we think we want to see happen so we can feel vindicated actually breaks us. And see, this is what happened to Joseph. All those years he was in prison, he was not really broken. See, we can have adversity come to us and get delivered from the adversity and not be free from the root of it. So God has to deal with the root. And so 45 verse 1, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood before him. And he cried. And he said, Cause every man to go out from me. So his servants took everybody out. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So this was the time for the big reveal. This is a time where God strips everything away from everybody. See, there's a time and a place for everything. God's already ordained a place for Joseph to reconcile with his brothers. But it's not just, let's be friends again and, and move back home so we can be a family. But it's raw, let's get down to brass tacks here. When God does it, it's done. Amen and he wept aloud and the egyptians in the house of pharaoh heard him and i mean so much they had already left the room but they still heard him crying because he was definitely broken by god joseph said to his brothers i am joseph is my father yet alive and his brethren could not answer them because they were troubled at his presence they couldn't believe he was alive and joseph said to his brethren come near me And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves that you sold me there. For God did not send me, but God did send me before you to preserve life. You need to know that any hardship that comes to you is done for the reason that God has so that some good can come out of it. He's not having... The same thing he did with his son Jesus. He gave his life so much good could come out of it. It's the same thing with us. When we yoke ourselves up with the Lord, much good comes out of our hardship if we'll let God have it. See, trying to figure out what good's going to come out of it while you're going through it is not going to help you get through it. You know, I've heard people tell, Oh, when you come through this, you're going to have a testimony. I don't care about that. I'm trying to survive from day to day. You understand what I'm, let's be honest here. You could care less about that. But if you let God have it, there may come a time when you're able to share. And there may never come a time that you share. But there's some good that always comes out of it. He says, for these two years has the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall ne- neither be ear nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, So the interpretation of the dream comes full force to him. He sees clearly now what that dream was so many years ago. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So hasten and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't tarry and you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. And you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. So the, the dream of Joseph comes to pass where his fathers and his brethren submit to him. Amen. And there I will nourish you, for yet there are five more years of famine, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that is my, that, that That is my mouth that's speaking to you, and you shall tell my father of all the glory in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father here. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. So see, everybody rejoices when reconciliation happens. When animosity stops and all, it will change a city, it will change a family, it'll change a nation. Love, when you learn to love, it, it changes the whole, the, the lives of so many people. Look at the people that were spared because Joseph allowed himself to let God bring him through this difficulty. And he didn't settle on being bitter after all of this stuff happened to him. But he allowed, you know, sometimes people get in power. The first thing they do is do something wicked. To their enemies or to people who are underneath them. But he learned to love. He learned to care for these people. He cared about all these people he had to rule over. Because he provided for them and they were able to live. And he obeyed God's command to him to to take care of these people. And so Joseph was able then to reconcile with his brethren because he let God teach him how to love folks. That's very, very important. So he forgave the root of his problem. And that was the hatred that the brothers had for him. And the jealousy and the animosity and the this and the that. You know, people tell people, oh, they just do that because they're jealous of you. That's not helping you any. That's just helping to feed your your flesh and, and feed your negative. What do you care? You know, jealousy can't, you can't take that to the bank. Huh? Jealousy can't console you <laughs> when you lose everything. You know, jealousy can't help you uh, to get to the next place God wants you to go. It's it's worthless. So like all worthless things, you need to renounce it and get it out of your life. Amen? You need to renounce the things that the enemy tells you that that are there, you know, and and, uh, abide with people. Just don't pay any attention to it because it's not even valuable. But we can learn to love, folks. And I'm telling you, keep that in mind during Christmas. Say, God, what are my lessons here? What are my opportunities? What are my goals, say, with family members, loved ones, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren? How can I learn to love them? How can I reach out to them? And let them know that you love them. Amen. You love them as well as me. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for opportunities, Father, to learn to love. They're about us all the time. We don't need special circumstances to learn these lessons. But, Lord, all we have to do is stay connected to you. Because you are the great teacher. And you teach us all things. So we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen.